active myocarditis is considered an absolute contraindication for participation in sports and exercise. During active myocarditis, mice models have shown strong deleterious cardiac effects such as adverse ventricular remodeling, an increase in ventricular tachyarrhythmias, and mortality. Because of such findings, athletes diagnosed with or suspected of active myocarditis are advised to refrain from sports for three to six months, which could significantly impact an athlete's professional career. In competitive athletes infected with COVID-19, short-term follow-up and cross-sectional studies have shown a low prevalence of 3 to 5% of myocardial abnormalities, including infrequent cardiac adverse events. A study from Amsterdam UMC, published recently in Heart BMJ, offers some reassuring news. Their prospective controlled study demonstrated the safety of resuming elite-level sports in athletes infected with COVID-19. During two-year follow-up, elite-level sports did not lead to detrimental cardiac effects or an increase in cardiac events, even in four elite athletes with COVID-19-associated myocardial involvement. None of the athletes infected with COVID-19 ended their professional sports careers due to the infection. A new study published in the Journal of the American Heart Association aimed to assess which strategy, monotherapy versus upfront combination lipid-lowering therapy of statin and azitamibe, is superior in the reduction of all-cause mortality in patients with acute coronary syndrome. The study included data on 1,536 patients with ACS who were part of the National Polish Registry of Acute Coronary Syndromes. Half had been treated with a high-dose statin only, and the other half were treated with the combination lipid-lowering therapy. Those people with acute coronary syndrome, including a heart attack or unstable angina, were 47% less likely to die within three years if they started taking a high-dose statin and azitamibe straight away, compared to those only taking a high-dose statin. These results suggest that in high-risk patients, an upfront combination lipid-lowering therapy, rather than a stepwise therapy approach, should be recommended. This immediate double cholesterol-lowering therapy could potentially save thousands of lives each year. Cedars-Sinai investigators in a study published in Lancet found that redo TAVR procedures are both safe and effective when compared with situations in which patients with similar risk profiles undergo the same procedure for the first time. Out of a total of over 350,000 TAVR patients, analysis was performed on 1,320 propensity-matched pairs of patients undergoing redo TAVR and native TAVR. They found the rates of procedural complications of redo TAVR were low and similar to native TAVR. In the redo TAVR patients, coronary compression or obstruction occurred in 0.3%, intraprocedural death occurred in 0.6%, and conversion to open-heart surgery occurred in 0.5%. There is no significant difference between redo TAVR and native TAVR populations in death at 30 days. 4.7% versus 4%, or death at one year, 17.5% versus 
And there is no significant difference in stroke at 30 days, 2% versus 1.9%. Even at one year, there is no stroke difference. This new data is very important because of the recent randomized clinical trials showing that TAVR is a meaningful treatment option for both younger and lower risk surgical patients. Chagas is a tropical disease caused by Trypanosoma cruzi parasites, which are transmitted by kissing bugs. In the Americas, the disease affects 6 million people in 21 countries, with approximately 30,000 new cases each year. While most infected patients remain asymptomatic, about 20 to 40 percent of those infected will develop chronic heart disease years or decades after infection and about 5% will develop digestive disease. Treating Chagas patients is challenging because the disease progression is unpredictable. And unfortunately, Chagas disease does result in about 14,000 deaths annually. Since the 1980s, researchers have proposed that different parasite strains could be associated with different disease outcomes due to the parasite's genetic diversity. Now, a new study by Tulane University researchers published in Microbiology Spectrum has established a link between disease progression and parasite strain diversity. By monitoring Trypanosoma cruzi strain dynamics and pathogenesis over two to three years in naturally infected macaque monkeys, they found that increasing parasite diversity in hosts hinders parasite multiplication and Chagas cardiomyopathy disease progression. This analysis provides a new framework for the understanding of Chagas disease pathogenesis. Studies are ongoing to further understand the interactions of various parasite strains during infection. For Mediblurb, I'm Dr. Jim DeWire.